I was on a work trip with my colleagues and we were all staying at a hotel in a new city. It was a beautiful hotel with marble floors and chandeliers that sparkled in the light. I was excited to be there, but also a little bit nervous as I was away from my husband for the first time in a while and wasn't looking forward to staying alone in my room. Well, on the second night of our stay, we decided to go down to the hotel bar for a few drinks after work. It was a lively scene, with people laughing and chatting over cocktails. I was having a good time until I noticed a man staring at me from across the room. He was tall, with dark hair and piercing eyes that seemed to follow my every move. I tried to ignore him and focus on my friends, but eventually, he approached me. I tried to explain I was happily married, but he persisted anyway, claiming that he was also married and it could be our little secret. I was repulsed, and being slightly drunk at this point, I think I insulted him and demanded that he leave me alone, which seemed to make him angry. The look on his face quickly changed to a menacing scowl and he slowly backed away from me without breaking eye contact. Luckily, he didn't speak to me for the rest of the night, but I was still left with a feeling of unease from the way that he'd looked at me. Anyway, fast forward to later that night. I was getting ready for bed when I suddenly heard a knock at the door. I assumed it was room service, so I opened the door without thinking but instead of a tray of food, I was met with the same man from the bar, standing in front of me with a predatory look in his eyes. He attempted to make small talk with me, but I could tell he was only interested in one thing, so I again declined his advances and slammed the door in his face. But this was clearly a huge mistake, as in the middle of the night, as I was just starting to fall asleep, I was abruptly jolted awake by the sound of my doorknob rattling. It was as if someone was trying to pick the lock. I felt my heart pounding in my chest as I slowly got out of bed, trying not to make any noise. As I approached the door, the rattling sound grew louder, and I could feel the hairs on the back of my neck standing up as I realised that the man from the bar must be trying to break into my room. My hands were shaking as I frantically tried to find something to defend myself with, but that's when the lock suddenly clicked and the door began to slowly open. I could see the silhouette of a man on the other side, and I knew that I had to act fast. I grabbed the lamp from my bedside table and swung it at the intruder with all of my strength, The lamp shattered against his head, and he stumbled backwards, dazed and disoriented. I quickly shut the door and locked it, and immediately called the hotel front desk to inform them of what had just happened. The rest of the night was a blur of fear and adrenaline. I didn't sleep a wink, instead spending the entire night staring at the door, listening for any signs of the man returning. And then the next morning, I followed up with the hotel staff, and they assured me that they were still investigating. But to this day, I have absolutely no idea whether or not they found him. But from that day on, I always make sure to take extra precautions when staying in hotels. I never open the door without checking the peephole, 
and I always make sure to keep something nearby that I could use to defend myself. But regardless of how much I prepare, I know I will never be completely comfortable staying in a hotel ever again. I was hitchhiking my way across the country, trying to see as much of America as I could on a tight budget. I had met some interesting people on the road, and I thought I had a good sense of who to trust. But one night, everything changed. I remember I was walking down a lonely stretch of highway, my thumb out and my backpack heavy on my shoulders, when I saw a car pull up beside me. The driver was an older man, he had a thick moustache and a gravelly voice, but he looked harmless enough and when he asked me where I was headed, I told him I was trying to get to the next town, which coincidentally was in the same direction, so he offered me a ride. I hesitated for a moment before agreeing, but I was tired and it was getting dark, so I accepted. As soon as I got into that car, I knew something was off. The air was thick with a strange smell like chemicals or rotting meat. The man's hands were shaking as he gripped the steering wheel and his eyes darted back and forth like he was searching for something. I tried to make small talk with him, but he only grunted in response. I looked out the window, watching the trees blur by, and tried to ignore the feeling of unease that was creeping over me. And then suddenly, the man pulled off the road and onto a narrow dirt path. My heart leaped into my throat as I realised we were heading deep into the woods. What are you doing? I asked, my voice barely above a whisper. The man didn't answer. He just kept driving, his hands gripping the wheels so tight that his knuckles had turned white. After what felt like hours, the car finally came to a stop in a clearing. The man then turned to me, his eyes wild and crazed. I've been waiting for you. His voice deep, but barely more than a whisper. You're the one I've been looking for. I scrambled to open the door, but it was locked tight. I could feel the man's hot breath on my face as he leaned in closer, his hands reaching for me. I don't remember much after that. I assume I must have passed out or blacked out because the next thing I knew, I was lying in the woods, my clothes torn and my body battered and bruised. I stumbled back to the road, my mind reeling with fear and confusion. I knew I had to get help, but I was too scared to trust anyone at this point. Eventually, though, I made it to a gas station, where I called the police and told them everything that had happened. They searched the woods, but they never found the man. They only found a small pile of evidence, but they were never able to actually link it to him. To this day, I'll never forget the fear and horror of that night and I know I will never hitchhike again. I was a broke college student living off campus, and I needed a couch. I couldn't afford a new one, so I turned to Craigslist, hoping to find a decent used couch for cheap. After scrolling through dozens of listings, I finally found one that caught my eye. It was a beautiful leather couch, just the right size for my very small living room. 
The seller was only asking $50 for it, which seemed like a steal. I assumed they were just trying to get rid of it, so I didn't realise at the time how too good to be true this deal really was. I emailed the seller right away, asking if the couch was still available, and within minutes, I got a response. They told me that it was in fact still available, and they asked when I would like to come and see it. We arranged to meet at the seller's house the next day. I didn't think much of it at the time, but looking back, I really should have been more cautious. I mean, I didn't even know the seller's name, and I was about to go to his house all alone. Well, when I arrived at the address the seller had given me, I found myself in a run-down part of town. The house was old, with peeling paint and a crooked fence out front. I hesitated for a moment, wondering if I should go in or just turn around and leave. But I really needed a couch, and I couldn't afford anything else. So reluctantly, I knocked on the door, and the man answered. He was tall and thin, with greasy hair and a scruffy beard. He looked like he hadn't showered in days. He smiled at me, but there was something off about him. He gestured for me to come on in and follow him, so I stepped into the house and immediately felt a sense of unease. The air was thick with the smell of cigarettes and old furniture. The man led me to the living room, where the couch was. It looked just as good in person as it did in the pictures, so I was just eager to get the hell out of there and take it home. I pulled my wallet out to pay the man, but he didn't take the money. Instead, he just stood there, staring at me with a strange look in his eyes. You know, I could really use some company. Why don't you stay a while? I was so scared. I just wanted to leave, but I didn't want to anger the man. So I just sat down on the couch, hoping to buy some time. As soon as I sat down, I felt something move under the cushions. I jumped up and the man just laughed. Oh, don't worry about that. It's just a mouse. I've been trying to catch it for weeks. I was disgusted, and I stood up, and this time the man didn't stop me. He just watched as I hurried out of the house, forgetting all about that couch. I didn't turn back, and when I got back to my own apartment, I was still shaken up. Looking back, I feel like that mouse actually saved me, because without that, who knows what else would have happened. Well, I vow to never again let my desperation blind me to the dangers of the internet, because you never truly know who's waiting on the other side of that screen. I've always been a big fan of online shopping. I mean, who doesn't love the convenience of browsing through a vast array of products all from the comfort of your own home? That's why when I stumbled upon Facebook Marketplace, I thought I had hit the jackpot. But little did I know that my innocent online shopping spree would lead to one of the scariest experiences of my life. I had always been fascinated by the history and architecture of Europe, so when I decided to backpack through the continent, I knew I wanted to stay in hostels to immerse myself in the local culture while saving money. 
I booked a room in a historic building in a small town in Eastern Europe, excited to experience the local sights and sounds. The hostel was located in a beautiful old building, with winding staircases and creaky wooden floors. The common room was cosy, with mismatched armchairs and a roaring fire. I was excited to meet my fellow travellers and explore the town, but as soon as I entered my room, I knew that there was something off. It was cramped and dimly lit, with a single window that overlooked an alleyway. The bed was hard and lumpy, with scratchy sheets and a thin blanket. But despite my negative feelings, I tried to ignore my discomfort and settled in for the night, eager to explore the town in the morning. But the next day, I woke up to find that some of my belongings were missing. At first it was just a pair of earrings and a book, but then my money started disappearing too, and I realised that someone must be stealing from me. I reported the theft to the hostel staff, but they were dismissive and very unhelpful. They just told me that theft was common in the area and that I should keep my belongings close at all times. I felt frustrated and angry, but I tried to be more careful with my things. But then, things started to get even worse. I would now wake up in the middle of the night to find that someone had gone through my bags, rifling through my clothes and personal items. I felt violated and vulnerable, wondering who was going through my things and why. I mean, they weren't even trying to hide it anymore. And that's when I woke up one night to find a man standing at the foot of my bed. He was tall and lean with greasy hair and dark circles under his eyes. He just stood there, staring at me with a blank expression. I froze, unable to scream, and he just watched me. Until finally, he turned and walked out of the room, leaving me shaking and terrified. I didn't sleep for the rest of the night, wondering who he was and what he wanted from me. I reported the incident to the hostel staff, but they once again just shrugged it off. They told me that it was probably just another traveller who had gotten lost and wandered into the wrong room. But I knew that wasn't true. It couldn't be as simple as that. I started to feel paranoid and afraid, wondering who was watching me, and who was stealing from me. I couldn't trust anyone, not even my fellow travellers so I decided to cut my trip short and leave the hostel, eager to now get away from the creepy atmosphere and the sense of danger that had surrounded me. As I left the hostel and walked out into the bright sunlight of the town, I realised that I had been naive to think that travelling was always a safe and wonderful adventure. I thought to myself that next time I will make sure to be more cautious in the future. I reminded myself that I will never stay in a hostel, ever again. I remember the day like it was yesterday. It was a dark and stormy night, and I was driving home from a friend's party. I was exhausted, and just wanted to get home to my warm bed. But as I drove down the empty road, I saw a figure walking in the distance. At first I thought it was a trick of the light, but as I got closer, I realised that it was a woman, standing by the side of the road. 
I hesitated for a moment, unsure if I should stop for her. But then, I remembered how scary it can be to be stranded in the middle of nowhere. So I pulled over and rolled down my window. The woman approached my car, and as I looked into her eyes, I noticed that they were dark and cold, and her smile seemed forced. Thank you so much, she said as she climbed into the passenger seat. I've been waiting out here for hours. I tried to shake off that eerie feeling that was creeping over me, and I started driving. We chatted for a bit, but I started to notice that she would ask strange questions, like where I lived and also if I lived alone. I tried to keep the conversation light, but the more we talked, the more uneasy I became. As we drove, the wind and rain had turned into a storm, and it grew stronger as the wind began to howl. The woman suddenly grew silent, and I could feel her eyes were on me. I stole a quick glance at her, and when our eyes met, she flashed me a grin that made my blood run cold. I think I've changed my mind, she said suddenly. I don't want to go where you were headed. Can you drop me off at the next town? I tried to hide my relief and agreed, but as we drove, the woman grew increasingly agitated. She would mutter under her breath and fidget in her seat. I was starting to feel like I was in a horror movie, and I couldn't wait to get rid of her. As we neared the town, the woman suddenly screamed, and I swerved the car off the road to avoid hitting something. I quickly realised it was a tree that had fallen during the storm, and it was blocking our path. And then, the woman's screams turned into laughter, and as I looked over to her, I realised that she was no longer the same person that I had picked up. Her eyes had turned black, and her smile was twisted into a demonic grin. You shouldn't have stopped for me, she hissed. Now you'll never leave this place. I tried to start the car, but it wouldn't budge. I was trapped with this demonic woman in the middle of nowhere, with no cell service and no way out. She began to chant something in a language I didn't understand, and I felt a cold fear grip me. And then suddenly, there was a knock on the window. It was a man, looking like he had been in the storm for hours. He told me he was looking for his missing daughter, and asked if I had seen her. When I told him about the woman that was in my car, he grew pale. The man looked to my passenger seat and said, What are you talking about? There's no one in your car. I turned around and saw that he was correct. There was no one sitting there. I described the woman and tried to convince him that I wasn't crazy, and that's when his already pale face grew even whiter. I know about that woman. She's been dead for years. She actually died on this road in a car accident, and you're certainly not the first person to have picked her up. After he told me this, I just wanted to get the hell out of there. I apologised that I wasn't able to help him find his daughter, and then I tried to start the car again, and this time, it roared to life. I didn't stop until I was miles away from that cursed road, but even now, years later, I still feel a chill run down my spine when I think about that night. Was it really a ghost that I picked up, or was it just my tired mind playing tricks on me? I guess I'll never know for sure. But I do know one thing.
which is that I will never pick up another hitchhiker again. I had always heard stories about the dark web, how it was a hidden corner of the internet where anything and everything could be bought and sold. But I don't think I ever thought that I would actually explore it myself. It was just too scary and dangerous, not to mention illegal. But one day, I remember watching a YouTube video which talked about some of the crazy things you could see on there. And being a stupid, rebellious teenager at the time, I spontaneously decided to dive right in. At first it was like any other website, with links to various topics and products, but as I clicked through, the content became more and more disturbing. There were sites selling drugs, weapons, and I even saw advertisements for human trafficking. The images and videos I saw were gruesome, making me feel sick to the stomach, but I just couldn't seem to look away. As I continued to scroll, I stumbled upon a site that offered something that caught my attention. A mysterious and exclusive club where people could experience unspeakable things. It was called The Black Room. At first I thought it was just a hoax, but the more I read, the more I realised that it was real. The members of this club paid a large sum of money to be a part of it, and apparently the experiences that they had were beyond anything imaginable. Well, the site had an application process, and after filling out a very detailed form, I received an email inviting me to the next event. It was to be held in an undisclosed location, and I was given specific instructions on how to get there. I arrived at a run-down warehouse on the outskirts of town, and as I walked in, I was instantly hit with a wave of fear. The atmosphere was dark and foreboding, and the people there were like something out of a horror movie. They were all wearing masks and different costumes, making it impossible to tell who they really were. I was then taken to a room where I met the host, a man who called himself the Black Baron. He explained the rules and what would happen next. I was given a mask to wear, and told that I could leave at any time if I felt uncomfortable. But as the night progressed, the events that unfolded were beyond anything I could have ever imagined. People were being humiliated and degraded. It was like a scene from hell, and I couldn't believe that I was actually a part of it. As I watched in horror, I realised that I had made a grave mistake by coming here. I had put myself in danger, and there was no telling what could happen next. And then, suddenly, the lights all went out, and in the darkness, I heard the sound of footsteps coming towards me. My heart was pounding, and I tried to run, but I couldn't see where I was going. I felt a hand grab me, pulling me towards a door. They opened the door and I was thrown into a small, darker room. 
I could feel the panic rising within me as I realised that at this point I was trapped. It was as if the walls were closing in on me and I could hear the sound of my own breathing. Hours passed and I was still stuck in that room, my mind racing with fear and uncertainty. I had no idea what was going to happen to me, or if I ever would get out alive. Eventually I was released, but the experience had me scarred for life. If there was one thing I learnt, is that the dark web is not a place for curiosity, and I now see it as a dangerous world that I had no business being a part of. To this day, I still warn others to stay away from it, to not make the same mistake that I did. The Black Room may have been one of the worst experiences of my life, but at least it taught me a very valuable lesson about the dangers that lurk in the shadows. As we walked up to the house, I couldn't help but feel uneasy. The driveway was overgrown with weeds, and the house looked like it hadn't been maintained in years. I turned to my friend and whispered, Are you sure this is the right place? She pulled out her phone and checked the address. Yep, this is it, she said, looking up at the house with a mixture of excitement and apprehension. We knocked on the door, and after a few moments, it creaked open to reveal the landlord. He had a thin smile plastered on his face, and I couldn't help but feel that there was something about him that was just wrong. He led us inside, and as he showed us around the house, I noticed that he seemed to be in no hurry to leave. He lingered in each room, pointing out various features and chatting away as if he was an old friend. He finally led us up to the attic, where our room was located. The staircase was narrow and steep, and the ceiling was covered with dust and cobwebs. When we reached the top, the landlord handed us a key and gestured towards the door. Well, this is it, he said with a smile, before turning and walking back down the stairs. As we entered the room, I couldn't help but notice how musty it smelled. The bed looked old and lumpy, and the sheets were yellowed with age. I knew that this wasn't going to be the luxurious getaway that we had hoped for, but I tried to put on a brave face for my friend's sake. That night, as I laid in bed, I couldn't shake the feeling that there was something watching me. I tossed and turned, trying to ignore the strange sounds that echoed through the attic. Every creak and groan of the old house made my heart race with fear. And then, in the middle of the night, I was jolted awake by the sound of footsteps in the room. I sat up in bed, and I saw the landlord standing at the foot of the bed with a creepy smile on his face. Um, what are you doing here? I demanded, my voice shaking. Oh, I was just checking in on you girls. He replied, his smile never faltering. My friend stirred in her sleep, and the landlord finally left the room, closing the door behind him. I didn't sleep for the rest of the night, and in the morning, I demanded that we pack our bags and leave as quickly as possible, 
After telling my friend what happened, she agreed, and as we walked down the stairs and out of the house, I couldn't help but feel a sense of relief wash over me. We had made it out unscathed, but the memory of that night would haunt me for years to come. To be honest, looking back on it now, I realise how lucky we were to have escaped with our lives. I'll never forget that creepy smile, and I know I'll never use Airbnb again. Not after that terrifying experience. The rain was coming down in sheets, soaking me to the bone as I trudged along the deserted road. My shoes squished with every step, and I was shivering with cold. But just when I was about to lose all hope, a pair of headlights appeared in the distance, and I eagerly stuck out my thumb. The car pulled up beside me, and I peered in to see a friendly-looking middle-aged man behind the wheel. His eyes were kind and his smile was warm, and I felt a sense of relief wash over me as I climbed into the passenger seat. The interior of the car was warm and dry, a welcome respite from the relentless rain outside. As we drove along, the man struck up a conversation with me. I learned that he was a travelling salesman, and he regaled me with stories of his travels and the interesting people he had met along the way. He even offered me some snacks from his trunk, and I gratefully accepted, feeling my spirits lift. But then suddenly, a car careened out of nowhere, swerving wildly across the road. The salesman tried to swerve out of the way, but it was already too late. The two cars collided with a sickening crunch, and I was thrown violently forward. Everything went black, and when I came to, I was lying on the side of the road dazed and disoriented. The rain was still falling in heavy droplets around me, and I could hear the sound of metal creaking and groaning in the background. My head was pounding, and I felt a dull ache all over my body. I tried to push myself up, but my limbs felt heavy and unresponsive. It was then that I saw the two cars, both mangled and unrecognisable. The salesman was slumped over the steering wheel of his car, blood trickling from a wound on his forehead. The other driver was unconscious in his car, the windshield smashed and the airbags deployed. I knew I had to act fast, so I forced myself to my feet, feeling the muscles in my legs scream in protest. I stumbled towards the nearest gas station, my breaths coming in ragged gasps. I burst through the door, my heart pounding in my chest, and told the attendant what had happened. He immediately dialed 911, and I collapsed onto the nearby chair, trembling with fear and shock. The police arrived on the scene a short while later, and I accompanied them back to the accident site. By now the rain had stopped, and the air was thick with the smell of smoke and gasoline. The two cars were crumpled and twisted, and it was a wonder that anyone had survived. But when we searched the cars, there was no sign of the two drivers. The salesman and the other man had appeared to vanish into thin air, leaving behind only a trail of blood and destruction. The police searched the area for days, but there was no trace of the missing men. Rumours began to circulate in the town about what had happened that night. Some people whispered about alien abductions and satanic cults, 
while others speculated that the men had simply ran away. But the truth remains a mystery to this day, and the incident has become one of the most chilling and unsolved cases in the town's history. Even years later, I still think about that night. The memory of the accident still sends shivers down my spine, and I always wonder what really happened to those two missing drivers. The truth may never be known, but one thing is for sure, that night will stay with me forever. It all started when I found an old antique mirror on the marketplace. It was beautiful, with intricate details etched into the frame, and a history that the seller swore was fascinating. I couldn't resist, so I messaged the seller, a man named Frank, to inquire about it. He responded almost immediately, saying that it was still available and that he could bring it over to my house later that very day. I was, of course, ecstatic. I didn't think anything of it when Frank showed up at my doorstep, mirror in hand. He seemed friendly enough, a little quirky maybe, but nothing out of the ordinary. I paid him the agreed-upon price and he left with a smile, saying something about how he hoped the mirror brought me as much joy as it brought him. But after he left, that's when things started to get weird. I could never seem to shake the feeling that the mirror that I'd purchased was somehow off. Every time I walked past it, it was like someone was watching me, and not in a comforting way either. It was like there was a presence in the room, lurking just out of sight. But that wasn't even the worst part. A few days after Frank delivered the mirror, I started getting strange messages on Facebook. They were from a profile I didn't recognise, and they were all incoherent ramblings about how I had stolen something from Frank. I tried to ignore them at first, thinking it was just a troll of some sort, but they kept coming. And then one day, I got a message that sent shivers down my spine. I know where you live. I didn't know what to do. I tried to block the profile, but it kept popping up under different names. I was too scared to even leave my house. Every time I heard a knock at the door, or a car engine outside, I would just freeze up, convinced that it was Frank coming to take his mirror back. But the worst was still yet to come. Because one night, while I was sitting in my living room, scrolling through Facebook, I heard a sound outside. It was like a scraping noise, like someone was dragging something heavy across the pavement. I crept to the window and peered through the blinds, and that's when I saw him. Frank was outside, in the darkness, carrying the mirror. But it wasn't the same mirror that I had bought from him. This one was different, warped and twisted, with an evil aura that made my blood run cold. And that's when he looked up and met my gaze, his eyes black and soulless. I swear, in that moment, I felt like he could see right through me. Well, I didn't sleep that night, or the next. Every time I closed my eyes, I saw Frank's face, twisted in a grotesque sneer. 
and the messages kept on coming, more frequent and more violent than ever. It was like he was taunting me, daring me to come outside and face him. I didn't know what to do at this point. I was too scared to call the police, convinced that Frank would come after me if I did. I couldn't leave my house, couldn't even bring myself to look out the window anymore. But then, one day, it all just stopped. The messages stopped, the scraping outside my window stopped, and I finally felt like I could breathe again. But what happened next is something that I will never forget. One evening, a few days after the messages had stopped, I was sitting on my couch watching TV when I heard a knock at the door. I slowly made my way to the door and peered through the peephole, and that's when I saw a man standing there. All I noticed at first was that he wore a stained t-shirt and a pair of ripped jeans. He looked up at me, and I could see the anger in his eyes. Are you the girl who stole my mirror? He spat, his voice low and menacing. I was too afraid to speak. I just stood there, frozen, as he pushed past me into my living room. He headed straight for the antique mirror, which was still hanging on my wall, and started examining it closely. This isn't mine, he said, his voice shaking with rage. Where's my mirror? I tried to explain that I had bought the mirror from a man named Frank, but he just wasn't listening to me. He was pacing back and forth, muttering to himself, and I could tell he was getting more and more agitated. And then he turned to face me, and I could see the madness in his eyes. I know what you did. You stole my mirror, and you're gonna pay. He lunged at me, and I screamed. We struggled rolling around on the floor, and I could feel his hot breath on my face. And then, all of a sudden, he stopped. He stood up, looked down at me, and started laughing. You're lucky. I could have really hurt you. But I have bigger plans for that mirror. You'll just have to wait and see. And then, he walked out of my house leaving me there, shaking and crying on the floor. I called the police, of course, but they never found the man. And as for the mirror, I got rid of it almost immediately. I managed to sell it to a local antique shop, hoping to never see it again. But sometimes, in the middle of the night, I still hear that man's voice in my head, and I wonder if he's out there, somewhere, still looking for that mirror. And if he finds it, well, I shudder to think what might happen next. Believe me when I tell you, I had always been incredibly sceptical of ghost stories, but after my experience at this hotel a few years ago, everything changed. It was supposed to be a relaxing vacation away from the stresses of my job, but what I experienced was far from relaxing. As soon as I checked into that hotel, I had a strange feeling that I couldn't shake off. The lobby was dimly lit and the air was heavy with the musty scent of old furniture. 
but nevertheless I tried to brush it off, thinking it was just my imagination running wild, and at the end of the day it was a place to sleep. When I got to my room, I was relieved to find that it was spacious and well-appointed. I kicked off my shoes and flopped onto the bed, ready to catch up on some much-needed sleep. But as soon as I closed my eyes, I felt a strange presence in the room. Again, I thought it was just my imagination, but then I saw it, a ghostly figure sitting at the end of my bed. I could barely make out its features, but I could feel its gaze on me, and it sent shivers down my spine. I sat up and rubbed my eyes, thinking I must have just been seeing things, but when I looked again, the ghost was still there, staring at me with an intense, unblinking stare. In my mind, I wanted to run away and scream, but my voice was caught in my throat and I couldn't move. I felt like I was in a trance, unable to break free, and I just couldn't look away from the ghost's penetrating gaze. Well, after a short while, the ghost suddenly disappeared, and I was left alone in the room. I was able to move again, and I tried to rationalise what had just happened, telling myself that it was just a hallucination brought on by exhaustion. I had heard stories about night terrors, where you see figures at the end of your bed, but it's nothing more than just a nightmare. But after I went back to sleep, I remember having a vivid dream about that ghost, but this time it was a woman dressed in an old-fashioned gown, with long flowing hair and a sad expression on her face. She didn't speak to me, but I could feel her sorrow and pain just from the way that she looked. Well, the next day, I asked the hotel staff if anyone had ever reported seeing any ghostly apparitions in the hotel. At first, they looked at me strangely, but eventually, one of them admitted that there had been rumours of a ghost haunting the hotel. Apparently, the ghost was that of a woman who had died many years ago, but no one knew how she had died, and her spirit was said to linger in the hotel, searching for something that she had lost. Well, after hearing this, I couldn't wait to get out of that hotel, but I was stuck there for another night. I thought about just leaving anyway, but I thought at the very least this would be a cool experience to tell my friends, so I just tried to distract myself with movies and books. Eventually, when I finally fell asleep, I had another dream about that ghost, but this time she was crying. The sound she made was horrific, and it actually woke me up. I immediately checked out of the hotel and never looked back. To this day, I have never stayed in a hotel again without thoroughly researching its history and any potential paranormal activity. So the one thing that I've learnt from this experience is to keep an open mind, as sometimes you never know what's truly out there. It was late at night and I was driving down a deserted highway, trying to get home after a long day at work. I was tired and my eyes were heavy, but I was determined to make it back to my apartment before I fell asleep at the wheel. But then, out of nowhere, I saw a figure in the distance, walking along the side of the road. At first, I didn't even consider stopping, 
I mean, I had heard way too many horror stories about hitchhikers and the dangers of picking up strangers, especially in the middle of the night. But as I got closer, I saw that the person was a woman, and she looked like she was in distress. Her hair was dishevelled, and she was carrying a large backpack. I remember thinking I couldn't just leave her stranded out there, so I pulled over and rolled down my window. I asked if she needed a ride, and she looked up at me with her eyes wide with gratitude. Thank you so much. I've been walking for hours, and I'm completely lost. I smiled and unlocked the door as she climbed into the passenger seat. But as soon as she shut the door, I noticed a strange smell emanating from her backpack. It was musty and earthy, like soil mixed with decay. Um, are you okay? I asked, trying to ignore the smell. Yes, I'm fine. Thank you for stopping, I really appreciate it. Again, I just smiled, not knowing what else to say, and we drove in silence for a few minutes, the only sound coming from the radio playing quietly in the background. Every now and then I would steal a glance at her, but she was always just staring out of the window, looking like she was lost in thought. After a while, the road grew even darker, and the forest seemed to close in around us. The only thing I could see was the white line on the side of the road, stretching out into the darkness ahead of us. But then, out of absolutely nowhere, the woman gasped and grabbed my arm, screaming at me to stop the car. I slammed on the brakes and looked around, but I couldn't see anything. What's wrong? I asked, my heart pounding in my chest at this point. I don't know. I just had a feeling, like something bad was going to happen. I just sat there trying to calm her down when I suddenly heard a tapping on the window. I turned to see a man standing outside of the car, his face obscured by the shadows. Can I help you? I asked, rolling down the window a crack. The man didn't say anything. He just stood there, staring at us with soulless eyes. I waited a couple more seconds and then quickly rolled up the window. We have to get out of here, the woman said, her voice now shaking. We have to go right now. I started the car and peeled out onto the road, driving as fast as I could. But no matter how fast we went, I couldn't shake the feeling that we were being followed. After what felt like hours, we had finally made it to my apartment complex. The woman got out of the car and thanked me for the ride, and then disappeared into the night. But as I walked up the stairs to my apartment, I realised that I had forgotten something in my car. I ran back down to get it, but when I opened the door, I saw something that made my blood run cold. The woman's backpack was still sitting in the passenger seat, but it was now open, and inside... I saw the source of the musty, earthy smell. It looked like a collection of bones, arranged in a neat pile at the bottom of the bag, and I knew in that moment that I had narrowly escaped becoming possibly another victim of this woman's twisted game. The police investigated my report, but unfortunately, they never found the woman or any evidence that could link her to the bones in her backpack. It was honestly the weirdest thing, and I couldn't believe that I had gotten myself involved in it. 
and even worse, I couldn't seem to shake the feeling that she was still out there, lurking in the shadows, and over time I became quite paranoid, constantly checking to make sure my doors and windows were locked. Eventually, I decided to stop driving at night because it was too much for me. But even when I drive during the daytime, I'm still always on the lookout for anyone who might seem suspicious. I was going through my emails when I noticed one that caught my attention. It was from an unfamiliar sender and had a subject line that simply read, Click here. Now, normally, I would have just deleted it without a second thought, but something about it piqued my curiosity. Without thinking, I clicked on the link, and that's when things started to get strange. Suddenly, my computer screen was filled with strange symbols and images that made no sense to me at all. It was as if I'd entered another world, one that I was not supposed to be a part of. As I tried to navigate my way out of this strange place, I realised that I was not alone. I could feel the presence of somebody else right there in my bedroom, and it made my skin crawl. It wasn't long before I realised that I had stumbled upon the dark web, a place that was not meant for the faint of heart. The deeper I went, the more I saw things that I never could have imagined from illegal activities to twisted and depraved forms of entertainment. But it wasn't just the content that scared me. It was the knowledge that there were people out there who were willing to engage in these activities, who reveled in the pain and suffering of others. I didn't know what to do or how to get out. Every time I tried to shut down my computer, it just didn't seem to respond. Well, eventually, I pulled the plug out of the socket and I went downstairs, hoping to rid myself of that entire experience. Days passed and I became increasingly paranoid. Every time I received a package or heard a noise outside, I jumped. It was as if I was being watched and that there was someone out there who knew what I had seen and was just waiting for the right moment. And then one day, I received a package that made my blood run cold. Inside was what appeared to be a fake human hand, complete with fake blood and severed fingers. Attached was a note that simply read, You're next. I knew then that I had to take action. I contacted the authorities, but they told me there was little they could do without any concrete evidence. So, for now, I was on my own. I delved even deeper into the dark web, searching for any clues or leads that could help me identify my tormentors. But the deeper I went, the more dangerous it became. I found myself navigating through a maze of shady characters and many illicit deals, never sure who I could trust. And then, I suddenly heard a noise outside my door. I knew that they had finally found me. I grabbed a weapon and prepared for the worst. But when I opened the door, there was no one there. Only another package containing yet another fake body part. This time, a foot. The note read, We're closer than you think. I was terrified, but at the same time, 
I refused to give up. I continued to search and eventually I managed to find a lead. It was a name, a username on one of the dark web forums. I managed to track the person down and confronted them face to face, demanding to know why they were doing this. The person just laughed and told me that it was all just a game, a twisted form of entertainment for those who were bored with the mundane. I was just another player, caught up in their sick and twisted game. In the end, I never found out who they actually were, or why they targeted me. But I learned a valuable lesson, and I vowed never to click a suspicious link on an email ever again. I arrived in Tokyo after a long flight, exhausted and in need of a place to rest my head. As I wandered through the busy streets, I stumbled upon a capsule hotel. If you haven't heard of them before, they're basically a type of budget accommodation popular in Japan where you sleep in a tight, coffin-like pod. It's obviously not the most comfortable way to sleep, but I was intrigued by the concept and so decided to give it a try. As I walked through the doors of the hotel, the smell of cleaning products and the sound of muffled chatter filled the air. The receptionist, dressed in a traditional Japanese kimono, greeted me with a polite bow and led me to my pod. It was small and compact, with just enough space for me to lie down and sleep. The walls were made of plastic and the roof was a soft cushion that was pretty much moulded to my body. But the bedding was surprisingly comfortable and the blanket was thick and warm. Nevertheless, despite my exhaustion, I couldn't ignore the feeling of being trapped. The pod genuinely felt like a coffin, suffocating and claustrophobic. I tried to calm myself down and just get some rest, but I knew it was going to be difficult. But what made things even worse was that as the night went on, I started to hear strange noises coming from outside my pod. It sounded like footsteps and whispering, but when I opened the curtain to look outside, there was no one there. I just laid back down in my pod, and after an hour or so, my exhaustion eventually took over, and I drifted off to sleep. It wasn't until the next night, however, as I climbed into my bed, I noticed a red light next to the curtain. At first, I thought it was some sort of decoration, but as the night went on, the light persisted. I started to feel uneasy and paranoid, and so I reported the red light to the hotel staff. They assured me that it must have been a mistake and that they would take care of it, but when I crawled back into my pod that night, the red light was still there. I observed it closer and compared the light to the camera on my phone, and I was horrified to see that it was almost an identical match. I felt a chill run down my spine as I realised that someone had put a camera in my pod. I knew I needed to do something, but I was too scared to move. The thought of confronting whoever was watching me was terrifying, and I didn't know what they were capable of. But as I stared down the camera, suddenly the red light went off. 
I waited for it to turn back on, but it never did. I just laid there in the silence, wondering who was watching me and what they were doing with the footage. The very next day, I checked out of the hotel and went straight to the police. They took my statement and promised to investigate, but I never heard anything back. To this day, the thought of someone recording me while I slept still plays on my mind, and I warn everyone that I know to never stay in a capsule hotel, as you never know who might be watching. It was a hot summer day, and I was driving home from visiting my family. I had been on the road for hours, and I was starting to feel the fatigue set in. As I drove down the long, deserted road, I saw somebody walking in the distance. I wasn't sure what to make of it at first, but as I grew closer, I saw that it was a woman, and she looked like she could use some help. Now, of course, I was a little bit hesitant to stop. After all, picking up a stranger on the side of the road was never really a good idea, but something about her seemed different. She didn't look like the typical hitchhiker you might see on the side of the road. She was dressed nicely, and she had an air of sophistication about her. I assumed maybe she'd got into a car accident or something and was walking to get some help, so I pulled over and asked if I could give her a ride. The woman turned and gave me a huge smile and immediately climbed into the passenger seat, and that's when we exchanged pleasantries. She told me her name was Samantha and that she was on her way to visit her parents. It was such a coincidence because I had only just left my parents' place and so we chatted for a bit, but during that conversation, something about her made me feel uneasy. As we drove, the sun began to set, casting an orange glow across the horizon. The sky turned a deep shade of red and the wind began to pick up. Samantha suddenly grew quiet and I could feel her eyes were fixed on me. Um, is everything okay? I asked. She didn't answer, and I could see that she was staring at something in the distance, just past my head. I followed her gaze, and that's when I noticed a figure walking on the side of the road. Oh, should we stop and see if they need help? Samantha shook her head vigorously. No, keep driving. I was a bit caught off guard with her response, but I continued driving. But as we went past the figure, I caught a glimpse of his face. His eyes seemed to be glowing red in the fading light, and it honestly sent a chill right down my spine. I accelerated, trying to put as much distance between us and that figure as possible, but Samantha now seemed unfazed. She just stared ahead, a blank expression on her face. As we drove, the storm grew stronger. The wind was howling and the lightning was flashing across the sky. At this point, I could barely see the road in front of us, and I was starting to feel a sense of panic set in. And then suddenly, Samantha spoke. Turn left here. I hesitated for a moment, unsure if it was the right way, but then I did see a sign pointing in that direction. So I turned left and we drove down a narrow, winding road that seemed to lead almost into the heart of the storm. As we drove, the rain was pounding against the car, and the winds were growing even stronger. Trees whipped past us, and I could barely see the road ahead. 
but Samantha seemed calm, almost serene. Um, where are we going? I asked. To my parents' house, she said, her voice barely audible over the sound of the storm. But I could tell that something was definitely off. Her voice now was different, almost inhuman, and her eyes, once warm and inviting, now seemed cold and lifeless. I didn't know what else to do, so I just continued driving, hoping that this nightmare would soon be over. And that's when I noticed that same figure in the darkness, but this time it seemed to be walking towards us. I swerved to avoid it, but it seemed to be getting closer and closer. It was as if no matter how far we drove, it was always there in the mirror. Samantha, what's going on? I asked, my voice now shaking. But she didn't answer me. She just continued staring ahead, that same blank expression on her face. And then suddenly, there was a loud crash and the car skidded off the road. As I lost control of the vehicle, I could hear Samantha laughing, a twisted, maniacal sound. And that's when everything went black. When I eventually came to, I was lying in a ditch by the side of the road. By now the rain had stopped and the storm had passed. So I sat up with my head throbbing in pain. I looked around, but Samantha was nowhere to be seen. I stumbled out of the ditch and walked along the road trying to find my way back to civilization. The car was nowhere to be seen, so I assumed she had stolen it, and I was angry at myself for ever making such a stupid mistake of picking up a hitchhiker. By now, it felt like hours had passed, but I couldn't be sure. My head was still spinning, and I could barely see straight. But as I walked, I noticed a sound behind me. I turned around, but there was no one there, so I kept walking but the sound grew louder and louder, until it was almost deafening. And then I saw her. Samantha was standing in the distance, her eyes glowing red in the darkness. She seemed to be beckoning me towards her, and I felt a strange compulsion to follow. I tried to resist, but my feet seemed to have a mind of their own. They carried me towards her, step by step until I was now standing right in front of her. And that's when she lunged at me, her face twisted into a grotesque grin. I screamed and tried to fight her off, but it was like trying to fight a ghost in a dream. Every attempt I made at trying to get the upper hand seemed to just go right through her, and then everything went black again. This time when I woke up, I was lying in a hospital bed, the doctors told me that I'd been found by the side of the road in a ditch, unconscious with a head injury. They had no idea how I got there, or what had happened to me, but I knew the truth. I knew that Samantha was behind it all, and I would never be the same again. From that day on, I never picked up another hitchhiker, and I always keep an eye out for Samantha, watching for her red eyes in the darkness because I know that she is still out there, waiting for her next victim. And the scariest part of all is that I know I will never be safe as long as she is still on the loose.
So I was on my way home from a long day at work, taking the underground train as usual. At the time, I had my headphones on, trying to drown out the sounds of the bustling train. I remember I was just staring at my phone when I suddenly noticed from the corner of my eye, a man on the opposite side of the train was staring at me. I looked up and caught eyes with him, but he quickly looked away. I was a little uncomfortable, but I tried to just shrug it off as one of those instances where you accidentally lock eyes with someone, and it's awkward for a short while until you just kind of move on. Anyway, I turned my attention back to my phone, hoping to relax and unwind after my busy day. But a few seconds later, I caught that same man staring at me again. I didn't look right at him this time, as I was honestly quite afraid. In that moment, I just wanted the earth to swallow me up and transport me to my bed. But for the rest of the journey, it was as if the man was fixated on me. In the end, I decided to get off at the next stop and quickly power-walked further up the platform and jumped back on the train before the doors were about to close. I sat back down and breathed a sigh of relief as I had managed to move four carriages down and there was no way he would have seen me get back on the train. Well, the rest of the journey was nothing special. I sat near another woman which made me feel a little more at ease and I was finally able to relax again just as we neared the train's final stop. As the train approached the platform, I gathered my things and made my way to the doors. But as I stepped off the train... I was met with a horrifying sight. That same man from earlier was walking down the platform in my direction, and he was staring right at me. I started walking faster, hoping to lose him in the crowd, but every time I looked back, I could see that he was keeping up with me. As I neared the barriers, I could feel his presence getting closer and closer, and I felt the panic start to rise within my body. I quickly tapped my travel card and burst through the barriers, hoping to rush out of the station before he saw which direction I would be walking home. As I reached the escalator, I stepped onto the moving stairs, but there was a little old lady standing with her bag blocking the way. Looking back, I'm so angry with myself for not speaking up at the time, but I felt bad asking her to move out of the way. So despite my fear of this man potentially catching up with me, I decided to stay put, hoping he wouldn't see me. Well, as you can imagine, this was a terrible decision, as about halfway up the escalator, I suddenly felt a pair of hands wrap around my waist. I wanted to turn around and confront the person, but I was genuinely frozen to the spot. I was so shocked. It was like my brain had shut off and I was unable to move. My body was tense and I remember struggling to breathe. Well, after what felt like an eternity, I regained some clarity and turned around to face the person who was behind me. And what I saw still sticks in my mind to this day. It was the man from the train, of course, but this time he had the creepiest smile on his face and I don't know if this is just the way I remember it, or if I am just exaggerating, but I swear his eyes were pitch black. And that's when he opened his mouth. Hello there, beautiful. 
At first, I was still shell-shocked, but eventually I was able to give him a stern look, and he immediately apologised. He claimed that he had simply mistaken me for someone else, and then quickly ran down the escalator, pushing past the people below. I just stood there, trying to catch my breath, wondering what the hell just happened. A woman who was standing below me on the escalator asked me if I knew that man and if I was okay. I told her he was just some weirdo from the train and I had no idea who he was. She apologised to me, because apparently the man had asked her if he could stand behind me, as he wanted to surprise his girlfriend. I was horrified. This man knew exactly what he was doing, and who knows what would have happened if there was nobody else on the escalator that day. Not gonna lie, I still have nightmares from time to time about this experience. I know technically nothing that bad ended up happening, but the fear I felt in that moment is truly something I had never experienced before. I've considered seeking therapy to help me through my trauma, but I feel like there are women out there that have experienced much worse, and sometimes I feel like I'm overreacting. But nevertheless, this experience did teach me one thing, which is that if you're ever on your own and somebody is making you feel uncomfortable, please just tell someone, as you never know what that creep on the train could be capable of. I had always loved animals, especially cats, so when I stumbled upon a post on a pet website advertising a beautiful cat with long, silky fur and piercing green eyes, I just knew I had to have her. The post seemed perfectly normal, and there were loads of great reviews related to her account, so I didn't even hesitate to get in touch. After exchanging a few messages with the seller, who went by the name of Rose, we agreed to meet in a public place to finalise the adoption. But when I arrived at the meeting place, Rose was nowhere to be found. Instead, a shady-looking man approached me and said he was there to take me to meet Rose. I was caught off guard, but still so excited to have this cat. Plus, he seemed friendly enough in the way that he spoke to me and assured me that Rose was waiting for me just around the corner inside the building. So I went against my better judgement and decided to follow the man. We walked down a dark alley and I felt a chill run down my spine. I knew something was not right, but I couldn't back out now. The man stopped in front of a rusted iron door and my heart just sank. It was clear as day that this was not a place for cat adoption. Nevertheless, not sure if it was out of fear or just pure stupidity, but I followed him inside, feeling uneasy the whole way, but unsure of what else to do. As soon as we stepped inside, I was hit by the stench of decay and death, and this is when I realised with horror that I had been lured into a trafficking operation under the guise of adopting a cat. The man who had brought me in here was clearly working with the traffickers, and I was trapped, with no way to call for help or escape. The room was filled with a mix of small and large cages, each one containing a different type of animal. The animals looked malnourished and sickly, especially the cats which were covered in fleas and their green eyes seemed to be pleading for help. 
I just tried to stay calm, but my heart was racing, and I felt like I was in a nightmare that I couldn't escape from. Well, after what felt like an eternity, the man returned and he handed me a cap. It looked nothing like the one I'd seen on the post, but to be fair, I was just shocked that he actually had a cap for me at all. I genuinely thought this was the end. I snatched the cat out of his hands, saying thank you as I quickly walked towards the door. After I left, I immediately called the police, and the traffickers were arrested. I was physically and emotionally scarred by that experience, and it took me a long time to feel safe and secure again. But the nightmare was far from over. Every time I looked at a cat, I saw their pleading eyes begging for help. To this day, I can't bear to be around them. I feel guilty for not being able to save them all, and the thought of buying a cat still haunts me. This experience has truly changed me forever, but I guess the one thing I've learnt is to make sure to next time be a lot more careful when buying things online. As soon as I arrived at the Airbnb, I felt like something was wrong. I didn't think much of it at the time though, because I was just happy to be there, ready to explore the city and have a good time. The apartment itself was cosy and comfortable, with bright colours and plenty of natural light. It was located in a bustling part of town, with cafes, restaurants and shops lining the streets. It was perfect for someone like me, who loved to explore new places and soak in the culture. But there was one thing that I didn't anticipate. The neighbour. At first I thought it was just the noise. The neighbour would bang on the wall whenever I played music or had friends over. It was annoying, but I figured they were just being grouchy. It wasn't until a few nights in that I realised it was something more sinister. One night I was jolted awake by a loud banging, this time on the door. I stumbled out of bed, heart racing, and peered through the peephole. There was no one there, but I could hear someone shuffling around outside. I tried to ignore it and went back to bed, but the banging started again, but louder this time. I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. I finally worked up the courage to confront the neighbour, but as soon as I opened the door, he launched into a tirade of insults and threats. He hated that different guests stayed in the apartment all the time, causing noise and disturbance, but he was clearly especially angry with me, for reasons I just couldn't understand. The situation escalated quickly. The neighbour would bang on the door at all hours of the night, shouting and screaming, until I was too terrified to leave my room. Sometimes he would even slide creepy notes under the door, or leave bizarre objects outside my doorstep. I tried to talk to the host about it, but they just shrugged and told me that the neighbour was a bit of a character. They said he had always been like this, and that I shouldn't take it personally. But it was personal. It was a constant, terrifying intrusion into my personal space. I felt like I was being watched and listened to all the time, like someone was waiting for me to let my guard down. I finally decided that I'd had enough. I packed my bags and left the apartment, feeling like a prisoner who had finally been set free. But the experience still left a deep scar on me, all because of that crazy neighbour who couldn't stand the noise of different guests, 
from that moment on. I've always been careful when booking an Airbnb, but sometimes, even with all of the research and reading through countless reviews, you never truly know where you're going to be staying, and more importantly, who's going to be there. It was the summer of 1995, and I was just a college student hitchhiking my way to my hometown. At the time, I was on my way back from a music festival, and I was broke and had no means to pay for transportation, so hitchhiking was my only option. It was late at night, and I was getting tired and restless. I had been walking with my thumb out for hours with no luck, until finally a beat-up truck pulled over to offer me a ride. The vehicle did look suspicious, but I was relieved to finally have a ride, and so eagerly climbed in. The driver was an old man in his late sixties, and I remember he was wearing a faded plaid shirt and a worn-out cowboy hat. He seemed friendly enough, so I took him up on his offer and he proceeded to ask me where I was headed. As we drove through the deserted countryside, the old man was telling me stories of his life, his family, and his travels. I listened politely, but there was something about his tone that made me feel uneasy. He had a strange glint in his eyes, and his voice was soft and eerie. And then suddenly, the old man took a sharp turn down a dirt road, and I felt my heart skip a beat, my instincts telling me that something was very wrong. Hey, where are we going? I asked, trying to keep my voice calm. Just a shortcut, son, he replied, his voice calm but stern. The road grew darker and narrower, until we were surrounded by darkness and the silence of the desert. And that's when the man pulled over and turned to me with a sinister smile. You know, son, I've been driving down this road for years, picking up hitchhikers just like you. But the one thing you all have in common is you never leave. I felt a wave of panic wash over me, and I knew that I was now in serious trouble. I could see his plan unfolding in front of my eyes as he put his hand in his pocket to retrieve something, and I knew I had to act fast. I grabbed the only thing that was within reach, a bottle of water, and I threw it at his face, hoping to blind him and get away. The old man recoiled in pain, and I took my chance to unlock the door and jump out of the truck. I ran as fast as I could through the desert, with the old man chasing me and cursing under his breath. Luckily, I was significantly faster than him, and I didn't stop until I saw a light in the distance. It was a gas station, and when I arrived, I burst through the door, panting and sweating. The gas station attendant called the police for me, and they arrived shortly after. Unfortunately, the old man was never found, and I didn't manage to get a good look at the license plate. So as far as I'm aware... He's still out there. Now I certainly learned my lesson the hard way, and I urge anyone listening to never hitchhike alone, because you never truly know who you might encounter on the road. I used to love browsing Reddit, spending hours scrolling through funny memes, interesting articles, and engaging in lively discussions. Until one day, 
where everything changed. It started with a few strange messages in my inbox. They were from a user I didn't recognise, but they were harmless at first. Just friendly greetings, asking how my day was, and commenting on the posts that I had made. But then the messages became a little more unsettling. The user started commenting on my appearance, saying things like, You look so pretty in that picture you posted, and I bet you're even prettier in person. I started to feel uncomfortable because I had never posted any pictures of myself on Reddit. But I didn't want to be rude, so I tried to brush it off. But that's when the user started following me from post to post, spamming every single one with creepy comments and messages. It felt like I just couldn't get away from them. And it wasn't just on Reddit either. This user had somehow found out where I worked, and started showing up outside of my office. I would see a hooded man standing there, staring at me through the window, almost every day. I was truly terrified, and I blocked the user on Reddit, but he just created new accounts and continued to harass me. In the end, I told my boss about the stalker, but there was very little he could do. We worked in a public building, and there were no security guards or cameras to keep me safe. The stalker started sending me gifts too. At first they were innocent enough, a bouquet of flowers, a box of chocolates, but then they started getting more disturbing. One day I opened a package to find a lock of hair, and it was blonde, just like mine. I went to the police, but without any physical threat or evidence of harm, they couldn't really do much. It's kind of shocking how useless the police can be sometimes. They ended up just advising me to be careful and to keep them informed if anything else happened. I felt like I was living in a nightmare. I couldn't go anywhere without looking over my shoulder, and every time my phone buzzed, my heart would start racing, wondering if it was from the stalker. And then one day, I came home to find a note on my front door. It was written in red marker, but the handwriting was so messy and uneven. I couldn't even read what it said, but the thought of that person standing on my doorstep truly sent chills down my spine. I knew I had to act fast. I packed a bag and fled to a friend's house immediately, where I stayed for a few days until I felt safe enough to go back. When I did eventually return, I found that someone had broken in and left many more notes all over my bed. There was also a poem filled with violent and disturbing imagery. Well, I obviously couldn't stay there anymore, so I decided to just move to an entire new city. I changed my phone number and email address, and actually deleted all of my social media accounts. It's been years since then, but I still don't feel safe. The memory of the stalker still haunts me, and I'm always wondering if he'll ever find me again. The internet can be a wonderful place sometimes, but it can also be a breeding ground for darkness and danger, and I guess this experience has taught me, we must always try and stay careful, no matter where you are, online. Now, before I get into the details of this story, I first need to explain why I even decided to put myself through this hellish experience in the first place. 
I was exhausted. The constant noise, demands and needs of my two young children had seriously left me drained. My parents had offered to take them for a few days, and I jumped at the opportunity to get some rest. They suggested that I stay in a quaint little British cottage that they had heard about. It sounded perfect, exactly what I needed. A weekend of peace and quiet to recharge my batteries. Well, the day finally came, and as I drove down the winding country roads, I couldn't help but feel a sense of peace wash over me. The scenery was breathtaking and the air was fresh and crisp. It was as if the world had stopped spinning and everything was in slow motion. As I pulled up to the cottage, I noticed how charming it was. The outside was covered in ivy, and there was a lovely garden out front. It was honestly the picture-perfect British cottage, just as my parents had described it. But nonetheless, something suddenly felt off. There was an eerie silence surrounding the cottage. But I was tired and anxious, so I just tried to shake off the feeling, thinking it was just my imagination getting the better of me. And to be fair, as I entered the cottage, I couldn't help but notice how old-fashioned and charming it was. But once again, that feeling of unease crept up on me. I tried to put it out of my mind and decided to explore the cottage. But as I walked around, I noticed that some of the doors were locked. I couldn't help but wonder, why would anyone need to lock a door in such a peaceful place? Well, nightfall came quickly, and I found myself unable to sleep. The feeling of unease had only grown stronger, so I tossed and turned, trying to ignore it, but it was almost impossible. And that's when I heard it. Footsteps, slow and deliberate. I sat up, listening intently, and the footsteps stopped, and there was a sudden silence. It was as if the world was holding its breath, and that's when I heard a faint whisper. I couldn't make out the words, but it sounded like it was coming from right outside my door. I was paralysed with fear. Every nerve in my body was on edge and the whispering grew louder, and I could hear the footsteps were now approaching my door. I held my breath, waiting for whoever was outside to make another move, when suddenly there was a knock at my door. I tried to speak, but my voice was stuck in my throat. My heart was pounding, and that's when I heard the doorknob start to turn. The door slowly creaked open, and there stood a figure in the darkness. It was a man, tall and thin, but when I looked to his face, the only thing I noticed was a twisted grin. He stepped forward, and I could smell his foul breath. Hello, he said in a low voice. I couldn't help but notice you were all alone. I screamed, my heart racing as I scrambled out of bed. The man laughed and backed away, disappearing into the darkness. The rest of the night was a blur. I was huddled in a corner, clutching a blanket, praying that the man wouldn't come back. But I could still feel his presence, lurking in the shadows. After a little while, I tried to convince myself that it was just my imagination, 
I mean, maybe I had fallen asleep and it was all just some sort of nightmare. But as I walked around the cottage, I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. The atmosphere felt heavy and oppressive, and the air was thick with an unexplainable energy. But I was going to be in this cottage for a few days, so I decided to try and focus on the main task at hand, which after all, was relaxing. So I settled into the cosy living room with a cup of tea and a book, but every time I looked up, I felt like there was someone standing there, just out of sight. Well, the rest of the day carried on like this, moments of unease, where I just knew that something wasn't right. And that night was possibly the worst. Again, I couldn't sleep and kept hearing strange noises coming from the old wooden floors. It did sound like footsteps, but when I got up to investigate, there was no one there. So I tried to rationalise it as just the old cottage settling, but I knew deep down that something wasn't right. As the night wore on, I eventually fell asleep, but then I was suddenly woken up in my bed to the feeling of someone breathing on my neck. I jolted upright, but there was no one there. I turned on the bedside lamp and saw a faint misty figure disappearing through the wall. I was so scared that I couldn't move and I could feel my heart racing in my chest. I just lied awake, but I never saw anything again for the rest of the night. And then, the final night was the worst of all. I was lying in bed trying to get some rest when I heard a faint whispering coming from the corner of the room. It was a low, sinister voice, and I couldn't make out what it was saying. And then suddenly, the room grew cold, and I felt the presence of something malevolent. I could feel eyes watching me, and I knew that I wasn't alone in the room. I bolted upright, ready to flee, but the door wouldn't budge. It was as if someone, or something, was holding it shut. And that's when I turned around, and for the first time, saw a ghostly figure standing right in front of me. But it was the outline of a woman, dressed in a long white dress. Her eyes were empty and soulless, and I could feel her hatred emanating from her body like a thick fog. I felt truly trapped, like I was being suffocated by an invisible force. And then, suddenly, the figure disappeared, and the door creaked open. I stumbled out into the hallway, gasping for breath and shaking with fear, and I immediately packed my bags and left the cottage, never speaking about what happened to anyone. Looking back, I'm pretty sure that that cottage was haunted by something, and there is absolutely no way that I will ever go back there again. I was on a road trip across the country, and I had been hitchhiking for days. I was tired, hungry, and my feet ached from walking for miles. But I kept my thumb out, hoping for a ride that would take me closer to my destination. It was getting dark, and I knew I needed to find a place to sleep very soon. I was in a remote area with no towns or cities nearby, and my prospects were looking bleak. 
but that's when I saw the headlights in the distance, and I felt a spark of hope ignite in my chest. The car pulled up beside me, and I peered in to see a middle-aged man with a thin smile. He seemed harmless enough, so I climbed into the passenger seat, eager for some warmth and some company. But as we drove along, I started to notice that there was something off about this man, something that made my skin crawl. He was too eager to please, too interested in my life and my plans. At first I brushed it off as paranoia, but the feeling only grew stronger as we continued on. And that's when the man suddenly pulled over. I tried to open the door, but it was locked, and the man turned to me with a cold, sinister grin. You're going to make a perfect addition to my collection. I felt a surge of panic rise in my chest, and I tried to break free from the seatbelt, but it wouldn't budge. The man then reached into his glove compartment and pulled out something. I knew now that I was in serious trouble. He moved back towards me, and I fought back with all of my strength. But it was no use. He eventually dragged me out of the car and into the darkness, and I felt my life slipping away with every passing moment. But just when I thought all hope was lost, I saw a glimmer of light in the distance. It was a small cabin nestled deep in the woods, and I knew that it was my only chance for survival. I mustered up all of my strength and broke free from the man's grip, sprinting towards the cabin with all of my might. I burst through the door, panting and gasping for air, collapsing onto the floor. The cabin was old and musty, with cobwebs and dust covering every surface. But it was safe, and that was all that mattered. I grabbed a lone chair that was nearby, and I pressed it up against the door. I tried to catch my breath, but the sound of footsteps outside the cabin made my heart race with fear once again. I knew he was coming for me, and I had to protect myself at all costs. By now, he was outside the front door, so I searched the cabin for any means of escape, but there was nothing. The windows were too small to fit through, and the door was too sturdy to break down. I realised I had trapped myself, and I knew that my fate was sealed, and it was only a matter of time. But just when I had given up all hope, I heard the sound of sirens in the distance. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was in the middle of nowhere. How did the police know where I was? Well, they pulled up, and they immediately started rushing over to the cabin. They managed to arrest the man and charged him with kidnapping. Apparently, he was responsible for a number of crimes around the area, and I was very lucky to have escaped with my life that night, and I knew that I would never forget the terror that I felt. I know in this day and age it's pretty much a given, but the one positive that I can take from this story is that hitchhiking is certainly not the way to go, and the memory of that fateful night I'm sure will haunt me forever. I had just downloaded the eBay app one day when I stumbled upon an antique porcelain doll. It was beautiful, with delicate features and curly blonde hair. It was the exact thing that I downloaded the app to find. You see, I'd always loved dolls ever since I was a little girl, and this one was no exception. 
I placed a bid right away, and after a few days of tense waiting, I was thrilled to see that I had actually won the auction. When the doll arrived, I was excited to add it to my collection. I put it on display in my living room, but I started to notice strange things happening around the house. Lights would flicker and objects would move, and I would hear strange noises in the middle of the night. At first I brushed it off as just my imagination, but when the strange occurrences continued, I started to feel like I was being watched, and I had a constant feeling of unease in my own home. It wasn't until a week or so later that I suddenly thought back to when these events started taking place, and I couldn't shake the feeling that the doll was somehow connected. After that realisation, every time I passed by it, I felt like its eyes were following me. And then one night, I woke up to the sound of something moving in the living room. I went to investigate, and I saw that the doll had moved from its display case to the couch. It was just sitting there, staring at the wall with its lifeless eyes. I tried to convince myself that I'd taken it out earlier that night, but for the life of me, I just couldn't remember. I tried to just shake this weird incident off, but the strange occurrences only got worse from there. I would come home to find the doll in different positions than I had left it in. Its arms would be outstretched, almost as if it was trying to grab me. Its eyes would seem to follow me around the room no matter where I went. I started to feel like the doll was probably cursed, and that it was somehow controlling me. I mean, how else do you explain the changes in its body whenever I'd leave the house? I must have been the one doing it, right? But I had absolutely no recollection. Well, enough was enough. I tried to sell it back on eBay, but every time I listed it, the auction would end abruptly, with no bids and no explanation from the app. I decided to do some research on the doll, and I discovered that it had a dark history. It had belonged to a little girl who had died under very mysterious circumstances, and some people believed that that doll was cursed. At this point, I started to feel like I was in over my head. I didn't want to keep the doll, but I also didn't want to pass this curse, if it was real, onto anybody else. I really didn't know what to do. But luckily, my prayers were answered one day, when I came home to find the doll on the floor, shattered into a million pieces. To this day, I still don't know what happened, but I am relieved that it's finally gone. Looking back, I don't know if it was just my imagination. I was on some medication at the time from my doctor, so when I think back to that time in my life, it is rather hazy, but one thing is for sure. I will never forget the strange and unsettling events that happened at that time in my life. So, I've always considered myself as a brave girl, as long as I'm aware of my surroundings and avoid walking down any dark alleyways at night, I know I'll be safe. It wasn't until that night where I encountered a weird man on my way home. After meeting up with my friends for a drink, I started walking back home as usual, as I was not going to waste my money on an Uber when I could just walk back home within half an hour. The first 15 minutes wasn't that bad, 
apart from my feet feeling really sore after wearing heels all night. As I was deep in my thoughts of thinking how dumb I was to not bring a pair of trainers to swap out, I noticed a man walking down the road towards my direction. I politely moved to the right side of the road so that I was not walking into him or getting in his way. However, as I shifted to the side, he started slowly moving towards the same side of the road. I proceeded to walk further to the right, so I was now right up against the brick wall. But strangely, he did the same, and he was now right in front of me, face to face. I stopped and looked at him as he stared at me while putting his arm out. For a second, I didn't know how to react. As his arm was about to touch my shoulder, I instantly backed off and ran past him. I looked back and I saw him standing there, just staring back at me. I thought to myself, what a weird man, but maybe he's just drunk. I did think that it might just be a coincidence when we were moving to the same side of the road trying not to bump into each other, as that does happen from time to time. But I wasn't even close to him when I first started moving to the right, so no matter how I looked at it, that whole encounter was just very odd. At this point, I started to walk faster as I got frightened. As I approached the crossroads, I naturally looked back, just to check if any car was coming before I crossed the road. And in the corner of my eye, I saw that same weird man who I'd bumped into earlier, and he was now walking up the road, following me. I was absolutely petrified. This meant that he had completely changed his direction, and he could only be walking for me. I instinctively ran across the road and walked as fast as I could, whilst grabbing my phone to call my brother in the hopes that he could come down and meet me. In my mind, I was still having thoughts that maybe I was just being too sensitive and I was overreacting. So I turned my head again, wanting to see if this is actually happening. But there he was, the same burgundy beanie and a brown jacket, with a Tesco shopping bag in his hand walking in a fast pace, just around two metres away from me. After that, I was 100% sure that this was not a coincidence. Hello? Are you on your way back yet? I can hear my brother's voice through my phone, and I started explaining to him what was happening, with my voice trembling, whilst power walking up the road. I was so grateful he acted so quickly, and he came running down the road to meet me. As I saw my brother waving his hands and calling my name, I stopped and turned to see if the man was still following me. He was, but once he saw my brother, he did a quick turn to walk in the opposite road and vanished into a dark alleyway. Once I was in the arms of my brother, I went into more detail about what had happened, and he instinctively ran after the man. But by this time, he had already completely disappeared. From that day on, my brother has always been so insistent that I inform him whenever I need to go anywhere, so he can check up on me, but I know I can't rely on him forever, so I can only hope that I never have to experience something so terrifying ever again. The next three stories are ones that I have already told on this channel, but again they were stories heavily based on my girlfriend's own experiences. I'd always hated Tinder, 
But after about five years of being single, I finally sucked up the courage and I decided to download the app. I must have been swiping through Tinder for a while before I eventually matched with a guy who actually seemed quite interesting. We started off talking and decided to meet up at a bar in the city. I told my friends about it and they were so excited. I hadn't been on a date in over five years, so this was a pretty big deal. When I got there, he had already ordered me a drink, which I didn't realise at the time was kind of odd. I mean, how did he know what I'd even want? Nevertheless, I sat down and we started talking about our interests. I couldn't believe how well we were getting along. We were having such a good time, and that's when we decided to go to another bar down the street. As we were walking, I noticed that he was touching my arm and making some suggestive comments. I brushed it off at first, thinking he was just trying to be playful, and maybe this is what guys were like nowadays. But then he started to get more aggressive. He kept grabbing me, and then he tried to kiss me, even though I told him that I wasn't interested in doing that on a first date. At that point, I tried to leave, but he wouldn't let me. He kept pulling me back and making me feel uncomfortable. I started to feel trapped and scared. Finally, I managed to break away from him and ran out of the bar. I thought that would be the end of it, but I was wrong. Over the next few days, he had started stalking me. He would send me constant text messages and phone calls, begging me to see him again. One day, he even showed up to my apartment, demanding to be let in so he could talk. I tried to ignore him, but he wouldn't give up. He would follow me around town, showing up at places I liked to hang out. One night, I even came home to find him waiting outside for me. But on this particular night, he was holding a knife, and he had a look of pure rage in his eyes. I immediately tried to run in the opposite direction, but he caught up to me and then held the knife to my throat. He told me that he couldn't live without me and that he would kill me if I tried to leave. I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. I tried to talk to him, to reason with him, but he was beyond that. He ordered me to go up to my apartment, and so I did as I was told. After we sat down, I waited until my moment. Once he was distracted, I managed to grab the knife from him, and I ran out of the apartment. I pulled out my phone and called the police, but by the time they had finally arrived, he was already gone. I was so lucky to get away with my life that night, but I was left with a deep sense of fear and some serious trauma. I never thought that a simple Tinder date could turn into something so bad, but I certainly learnt my lesson. I had been driving for hours, my eyes heavy with exhaustion. The open road stretched out before me, endless and dark. I had been planning to make it all the way to my family's house in one go, but my body was screaming for rest, and that's when I saw the sign for the motel. It was a dingy-looking place with faded neon lights and a parking lot that was nearly empty, but it was the only option for miles around, and I was desperate for some sleep. I pulled into the lot and made my way to the front desk, the motel was run by an old couple, both of them with stooped shoulders and tired eyes. They looked like they had been running the place for what seemed like decades, and they had a certain air of wariness about them. But to their credit, they were friendly enough, and they handed me a key with a small smile. As I made my way down the dimly lit hallway, 
I couldn't help but feel like I was walking into a horror movie. I mean, the walls were a sickly shade of yellow, and the carpet was threadbare and stained. Also, there were strange noises coming from the other rooms, like someone was moving furniture or slamming doors in the middle of the night. When I finally reached my room, I was relieved to find that it was at least somewhat clean, but I was so tired that I didn't even bother to unpack. I just collapsed onto the bed and closed my eyes. But for some reason, sleep didn't come too easily. The room was quiet, it was too still, and it was like there was something lurking just beyond the door. And that's when the scratching started. At first I thought it was just my imagination, but then it grew louder and more insistent. It sounded like someone was trying to claw their way into the room. I got up and peered through the peephole, but to my surprise, there was nothing out there. But then I noticed something even stranger. A silhouette of a man standing just in the corner of the peephole view. At this moment, I really started to panic. His face was obscured by shadows, and he didn't knock or say anything. He just stood there. I tried to tell myself it was just a guest who was lost or confused, but something about the way he stood there, so still and silent, made me think that he was up to something. Well, I spent the rest of the night huddled in a corner of my room, my eyes fixed on the door. I didn't sleep at all, and by the time the sun started to rise, I was a jittery mess. When I went to check out, the old couple at the front desk didn't seem to notice anything wrong. They smiled at me and asked how my stay was, as if they had no idea what had happened in their own motel. But I knew better. I knew that there was something deeply wrong with that place, something that I couldn't quite put my finger on. Anyway, I got into my car and I drove away as fast as I possibly could. But even as I put distance between myself and the motel, I knew that this experience was something that was going to stay with me for a very long time. I was feeling lonely one night and decided to sign up for a dating app. In the end, I settled on Plenty of Fish, thinking that it was one of the more reputable ones. I filled out my profile and started swiping through potential matches. I came across a profile that caught my eye. His name was David, and he seemed like a really nice guy. We started chatting and hit it off right away. We exchanged numbers and started texting each other throughout the days. At first, everything seemed normal enough. We would talk about our interests, our jobs, even our families. But then things started to take a turn. David would honestly send me texts at all hours of the night, saying things like, I can't stop thinking about you, and I wish I could be with you right now. Don't get me wrong, I've said similar things in a relationship, but we'd only been talking for a matter of days, so this was really strange. Nevertheless, I tried to brush it off as just a guy being interested in me, but it started to feel like he was truly becoming obsessed. He would get upset if I didn't respond to his messages right away, and he started asking me personal questions that made me feel really uncomfortable. 
and that's when I would start to see a car parked outside my apartment building that I didn't recognise, and whenever I was out running errands, I would always get a feeling like someone was following me. Well, one night, David asked if he could come over to my apartment. Of course, I hesitated, but he insisted, and eventually I caved in. There were a lot of good points about this guy, and I had been single for a while. Once he arrived, he seemed different from how he had been over the phone. He was a lot more intense and had an unsettling, unnerving energy. As we sat down on the couch, he started talking about how he wanted to be with me all the time, and how he couldn't bear the thought of me being with anyone else. The way he was talking, it was as if he was about to pop the question or something. So I tried to make an excuse to get him to leave, but he just wouldn't take the hint. Finally, I had to ask him to leave, and he did, but not before saying something that still sends shivers down my spine to this day. Don't worry, I'll always be watching over you. He said it with a smile, but that didn't calm my nerves one bit. After that night, things only got worse. David started to spam every post I made on social media, leaving creepy comments and messages. My friends would ask me if I had a boyfriend, and I would always have to respond saying, no, it's just some guy that won't leave me alone. I mean, things got so bad, he would send me pictures of myself that he had taken without my knowledge. I felt like I was going crazy. I didn't know who to turn to or what to do, as I'd kind of got myself involved in this situation all by myself. Eventually, I tried blocking him on every platform, but he would always just create new accounts and start harassing me all over again, as if nothing had even happened. I knew that something bad was just bound to happen, so in the end I went to the police, but I was too scared to leave my apartment. Eventually, though, I built up the courage and I headed straight for the police station. I told them what was happening and they understood. Things like this apparently happen a lot more often nowadays. They were able to find David, and they helped me file a restraining order against him. I haven't seen him since, but that doesn't mean that I feel any less safer, because I know I'll never truly be free from the fear that he instilled inside me. I was stood at the bus station, my backpack at my feet and my eyes scanning the faces of the other travellers. I had been on the road for weeks now, hitchhiking from place to place, in search of adventure and new experiences. But now I was tired and ready to settle down for a while. As the hours passed and my bus continued to be delayed, my patience began to wear thin. I was starting to worry that I might not make it to my destination before nightfall. And if there's anything I learnt whilst being on the road, is that during the night time is when the worst things happen. But just when I was starting to lose hope, a man approached me. He was tall and muscular, with a shaved head and a stern expression. He looked like he was quite no-nonsense, similar to my dad, and he asked where I was headed and told me that he was driving in the same direction. So when he offered me a ride, I gladly accepted as we drove, I noticed that he liked to speak in short, clipped sentences, and he always seemed to avoid making eye contact with me. But I pushed all my thoughts aside, reminding myself that I had been picked up by all kinds of people on my journey, 
and he certainly wasn't the worst. But as we drove further away from the bus station, my nerves began to tingle. We were now heading down a long and winding road, with nothing but empty fields on either side. The man grew even quieter, his eyes darting back and forth as we drove deeper into the countryside. And then suddenly, he pulled the car over and turned to me. I'm so sorry, he said, his voice low and trembling. I just can't take you any further. My heart raced as I realised that we were alone, deep in the countryside, with no other cars or people in sight. I started to open my mouth to ask what was going on, but before I could say anything, the man lunged at me. I barely had any time to react, my body moving on instinct as I fought to protect myself. I managed to wrestle him away, but he was strong and determined. By now we were outside of the car and he had pinned me to the ground, his hands rising up my body and approaching my head. In that moment, I thought it was all over. But just when I was about to give up, I heard the sound of an engine in the distance. The man suddenly froze, his grip loosening just enough for me to break free. I scrambled to my feet and ran towards the sound, and that's when I noticed the headlights. As I emerged from the fields, I saw the truck approaching, and I flagged it down my breath coming in ragged gasps as I tried to explain what had just happened. The driver was a burly man with a stern face, but his eyes seemed kind. He listened to my story, and he actually called the police for me, who arrived shortly afterwards to take the man into custody. Strangely, he was still there, just pulled over on the side of the road. I guess he never assumed that I would be able to call the police from where I was at, but luckily I was. It turned out that the man had been on the run from the law, wanted for a string of violent crimes across the state. The police told me I was so lucky to have escaped with my life that night. But even now, years later, I still feel that same feeling of being trapped, alone and helpless in the middle of nowhere. To be honest, it's something that will stay with me forever, and I know I will never hitchhike again for fear of what could be waiting for me out on the road. So today was the day I was finally going on a Tinder date with one of the most amazing guys I'd ever met on the app. We decided to meet up at a coffee shop in the city. I felt so lucky to match with him. From our discussions, it seemed that we had a lot in common. We even had the same drinks taste. We sat down and he'd already ordered me my favourite drink, a cappuccino. He had the same thing, and we laughed immediately. Everything was going great. We talked about our interests and hobbies, and he actually seemed genuinely interested in some of the things that I'd say, although there were a few things that he did that raised some red flags. Sometimes he would ask me some really personal questions, for example, like how many sexual partners I had, and if I'd ever tried anything kinky. But he could tell from my responses that I felt uncomfortable, and he'd always stop. But for some reason, the conversation would always lead back to sex. Nevertheless, I kept trying to steer the conversation into some more family-friendly topics. I was telling him about an experience I had with my sister when we went on holiday the previous year and we got into a huge argument. He seemed to be really invested in what I had to say, and I really appreciated having a man actually listen to me for once. But then suddenly, 
He leaned in and tried to kiss me. I pulled away, but he wouldn't stop. He was grabbing me and trying to kiss me again and again. People started to stare at us at this point, and I got up and tried to leave. But he wouldn't let me. He told me that I owed him since he had paid for my coffee. Finally, I managed to break away from him and I ran out of the coffee shop. But the nightmare was far from over. Over the next few days, he started stalking me. He would send me messages and he'd threaten me over the phone. He even showed up at my school one day, demanding to be let in. I tried to block him, but that wasn't enough. He just wouldn't give up. But then, one night, I was walking home from a friend's house down a dark road. When I felt someone grab me, from behind. I turned round and saw his face. It was him. He dragged me into an alley and started assaulting me. I tried to fight him off, but he was too strong. In that moment, I felt like I was going to die. After a few minutes, I was ready to just give in. But then finally, someone heard me screaming down the alleyway, and they called the police. He tried to run away, but that night, the police found him, and he was arrested. Despite him being caught and being put in prison, I was still left with a deep sense of trauma and fear that still lives with me every day. Thank you for watching, and if you prefer the longer format videos, please let me know in the comments down below, and make sure to subscribe for more scary stories.